Welcome to the MAV podcast featuring guest host. I'm Bridget. And I'm Jolene. And we get to do this week's MAV podcast because our regularly scheduled podcast hosts are traveling for work and producing the podcast today. Isn't that right, Jolene? That's right. Jason's off in Pittsburgh with our oldest at a hockey tournament. So we're taking over. We stole the microphone and here we go. So it's going to be pretty much the same format that our regular listeners are used to, but you get to hear a little bit different perspective today. So first of all, let's talk about this last weekend series, Jolene. What do you want to, what do you want to say about this, the series versus the main black bears? Well, first I would say it was really fun to see a team that I haven't seen play before. I don't remember the last time we played Maine, but I know that I hadn't seen him play. So that was really fun to see a new team. And of course, to get, get a sweep out of the weekend, you know, that's, whoop, that's, whoop. that's even, that's even better. <laughs> yeah. It's been a couple of years. Uh, we played out at Maine in 2019 and I think they were supposed to come here uh, last year, but no non-conference series due to COVID. So it was exciting to have them come into Baxter for their first time. And this was actually their first series of the year. They had not had a, a series previously. That's right. They played an exhibition game, but, but lost. So this was their first games. And unfortunately for them, they lost. But fortunately for us, we, we won. <laughs> I'm okay with that. So you're not going to get the technical analysis, uh, you know, yeah. listeners and viewers that you might get from John and Jason. But I do have some thoughts uh, about the series. Um, and I'm sure you do too, Jolene. So uh, I'm going to say one of the things that was really interesting to me about this series is it kind of was a slow roll. And then, you know, like we scored first and then we let them tie it up and then we, you know, held on and in Saturday's case poured on, you know, several goals in the third, but it was kind of a Um, I always like to use the, you know, finish strong analogy. I use it at Disney and all kinds of places, finish (laughs) strong. And that really impressed me that they didn't get down when Mm -hmm. things uh, didn't go their way. And then they were able to hold on. What were your thoughts? I I agree with you there. Like the fact that they just never gave up and they kept, they kept fighting through the whole thing. Um, They had to come back from being tied and from being down, um, you know, and I really loved the all of the new players, the freshmen, really getting into it and really making a difference in, in both games. I had the same thoughts. I tweet the games live. When you're following Mav Puck on Twitter, that's me, except for the humorous stuff. That's John. Uh, the factual game, you know, scores and updates is me. And one thing that I noticed is we had really balanced scoring. Um, I was looking at the, the people who scored on Friday, Berg, Ward, Randall and then Randall again, Saturday, uh, Primo, Conley, Berg, Miller, and Proctor. That's, that's a lot of different scorers. Mm-hmm. It is. And it, it was, it was coming from different lines too, you know, kind of in the past, we've seen a lot of offensive, you know, production from maybe one line, but this was kind of, every line was a real threat on the ice. I love to see that. That just makes it so much more interesting as a fan and also unpredictable for those opposing teams. They can't just shut down, you know, one or two mm-hmm. guys. It was a, everyone was a threat. Absolutely. The other thing that was a really big factor in the game was the special teams, right? 
there were a lot of penalties. I think there were 11 on Friday and 12 or 12, I think on Saturday. So there was a lot of five on four both ways, you know, both. I think they had seven on Friday night, but we had seven on Saturday night. So very balanced there as well. (laughs) (laughs) They were actually a really balanced team all across the board. If you looked at shots and face-offs and, and everything, they were very evenly matched teams. Definitely. And that's why it was so close early on. You know, I found it nerve wracking, but I'm always, you know, nervous as a fan. (laughs) The other thing uh, you mentioned a lot of penalties. Uh, I noticed freshman Vincent, and I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Mancini. Mm -hmm. Uh, He found the box five times. And sometimes when that happens, you think, wow, you know, maybe he's a little bit of a goon or, you know, just having a hard time adjusting. I didn't get that sense at all. I thought that he was a really strong player. I think he got totally jobbed on that one call uh, that was a a huge, you know, Academy award-winning performance by the, the main player. But I also noticed him quite a bit. I was really impressed by his play. I did. The other player that I noticed in, and in the past has kind of been from being in the box was Abate. And he had such a different game this year so far than he had last year. I agree. You know, I tweeted that as well. I said, you know, I was really impressed by him. And I, when I was considering who I was going to pick for my player of the game, I thought, you know, he really did not make the score sheet, but I noticed him in Mm -hmm. a good way. I was so happy that he was able to get into the play and not go get targeted by the refs for, for his play. I feel like that happened a lot last year. And I feel like he kept his play a lot more under control this year. Like he didn't let that, you know, anger, whatever it is, kind of come out. (laughs) He, he kept his cool, but you know, he still stood up for his teammates too when he needed to. Yep. Yep. And not to be, Joey, but you do have to work on your breakaways because there was one that, like, <laughs> man. I thought he was gonna so get that. So close. But that's then he had several times I thought, well, he's just he's just not getting his shots this year, this these games, but it'll come. It will. No, yeah. so like I said, Abate didn't make my top player of the weekend. Uh, but let's talk about who who we thought was the most impactful. Who did you think had the, the biggest impact in this main series? I actually went with uh, Seville because I think he made some amazing saves at really key times. Like he really kept them in the game and gave them a chance, especially when it was tied and when they were losing, you know, you know, when you're killing that many penalties off, you gotta have a, you gotta have a goaltender that, that can kind of stand on their head a little bit. And I think he did that for the team. Um, I know, I think he said last weekend that he felt that he kind of let the team down on, I guess it was, Saturday's game the first game but you know he's really come on strong since then and I think he was a star both both nights this weekend so yeah who was your player of the game well I went with a forward because that's always you know it's easy to to pick a forward especially (laughs) the flashy and I actually picked somebody who didn't uh score a goal but who made an impact with assists and who like I said I noticed a lot and that was Brandon McManus uh he is a transfer uh, to the program. So this is his first year, but he really impressed me with his play. I think he meshes really well with some of mm-hmm. our existing players, especially our high scoring forwards. And uh, I noticed again from tweeting the game, I was finding his handle quite a bit 
uh, this weekend. So I think that he really is a great addition to the Maverick team and looking forward to, to more of uh, his performance this season. Absolutely. Yeah. I, these, these freshmen are really, really impressive. So. Love it. All right. So we're going to continue the boys format and we're going to do next a, a shootout segment. And we have a couple more topics than the boys. So this might not be as fast paced as John and Jason did <laughs> last week, but we certainly have a lot to talk about in terms of, you know, what's going on around the game and, and kind of peripheral to, to the on ice action. And the first thing that I want to talk about is a follow-up actually to what John and Jason were talking about last week and they had no information about, and that was mobile ordering. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, actually a little bit. So Friday night, uh, trying to get some food for the kids and my mom actually had her Apple pay card. Well, they don't take Apple pay mobile, but they also don't take the Apple pay card because it doesn't have a swipe bar. It only has a chip. So no go there. So then on Saturday, I was like, oh, my wallet's all the way back to my seat. Let me try the new QR code. So I scanned it. I was able to pop in, get my hot dog and my drink. And, you know, it was ready right away. It was actually pretty slick. And you can use Apple Pay from the mobile device. So I definitely awesome. recommend that. So again, at the concessions, uh, no, no luck paying Apple Pay at the counter. But if you do want to use Apple Pay, use their uh, QR code and do mobile yeah. order. Yeah, cool. Like I said, I haven't actually ordered any food there, so maybe, <laughs> but not so far. All right. So the reason why you were trying to, uh, you know, make it back up to your seat on Saturday minus your wallet is you were supposed to have uh, an additional duty as a fan on Saturday. What's what was that all about? I was. So the normal Mav Boney driver was at the Husker game and was looking for some substitutes. So Friday night, I actually trained. And did a couple of hot laps. It went well. I didn't crash. I didn't. I didn't die out there. Made it back off. Okay. Although my kids said that uh, I drove a little too slow. But you know. Uh, however, when I went down on Saturday, um, there was another person who has trained and subbed, and there was some miscommunication. So I said, okay, that's fine. You can do it. I'll go watch the game. No problem. Because my daughter was in Pittsburgh playing at the same time, and so then I could watch both games at the same time. So that worked out well. However. And there was a little bit of struggle with the Mav Boney. So I'll let you kind of explain that a little bit there. <laughs> so I actually got a video of this because, again, I was anticipating uh, you were going to be the substitute Mav Boney driver. And so I was just prepared to uh, to tape it. And I sometimes do cover it when Greg is out there picking up the fish because it's nice to have that as uh, Twitter content. But I was uh, filming this and I think we're going to overlay it if you're watching the, the video of this. Um, and if not, I'm going to post it on YouTube because I think this is an instant classic. Um, but the fish was thrown successfully on the ice. In a and, perfect spot. Oh, beautiful. And then the uh, orange uh, armband referee decided on his own accord to give it a little kick. Towards tell, the main bench. So tell me, Jolene, from the, the substitute man, bony driver side of stuff, how does that make it more difficult? So it's much easier to make the, the left-hand turn around. So, you know, Greg was telling me, you know, I was training, he's like, oh, hopefully they don't get the, the fish all the way over to the main bench because it's a lot harder to pick it up from that side. 
And sometimes you get sprayed with water bottles and such from, from the, from the opposing players. So if they keep it on the other side, that's a lot easier to get in. It's harder to make that right-hand turn to come back around. But unfortunately, since the ref kicked it all the way over there, there was nothing that Andy could do, but go over and try to get it. Yeah. You pointed out, he probably could have stopped to pick up the fish and that might've helped a little bit, but he just did not have a lot of room to work with. There was not a lot of room. It was right up against the boards. So, <laughs> so yeah. So. Although I was thinking, man, I'm glad that's not me out there. Although I'm <laughs> sure he was thinking, man, I would have wished I would have let her do it tonight instead. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think it all comes down to why that official felt like he had to move the fish. It was, it was perfectly positioned. I don't know what he was thinking, but yeah. this is going to be a moment that Maverick fans that were in attendance are going to remember for a very long time because I have yeah. not laughed that hard in a very <laughs> Yeah. That and was, they, um, then they took them out the other side and they had to move it all the way back across. So it was an adventure. But you know, Friday was an adventure too, right? Because we scored. They threw the they threw the fish. He goes and picks it up. It's all good. Then they review it offsides no goal so luckily it happened towards the end of the first so that they were able to use the intermission to get the fish back up to the fish thrower and we did it again so (laughs) and i think that may be the first time that they have actually rethrown the fish and re-picked it up again we'll have to check the history book yeah greg was telling me that they threw it one other time but he knew it wasn't a goal so he didn't go and pick it up but <laughs> yeah so history was made on the ice history. with the, the Mav Boney this weekend and that was yeah. again very entertaining now one of the things that we discovered when you were down in uh the pit on Friday night was that there was going to be a little bit of a change in terms of clearing the excess ice off of the ice you want to talk about that <laughs> yeah so they've decided to get um the youth uh, the youth teams evolved a little bit more. Um, so for every media timeout, the youth skaters are going out and they are clearing the whole ice. Um, they come out from the Zamboni entrance, take the little shovels, go all the way to the end, and then come back. Uh, they kind of make, I think you pointed it out on Twitter, a flying V formation. <laughs> um, it looks cool, although I do have to wonder what the players thought because it looked like that there was a lot of snow piled up in some spots that aren't normal. Um, especially when they closed the doors, the snow kind of piled up there. I didn't really notice that the puck really got stopped in any of the snow, though I did notice some players kind of during a, a, a whistle, kind of using their stick and Clear. swiping the snow out of the way. So, um, but it's, I think it's great to get the, the youth hockey players involved. It's definitely unique. And like I said, it's, it was very entertaining to watch the, the, the mighty ducks flying V formation, but I like, I think that they need to maybe do a little bit of practice because those kids went out cold because we were down there when they got there, they didn't didn't practice. So I think that'll improve over time. I don't think they got any training either. No, I (laughs) It's like, here's your shovel, go. (laughs) I was impressed the kid that was on the goalie uh, that did the like kid of the game. I thought for sure he was going to be on the ice clearing thing and I was going to be super impressed because he was- (laughs) Full goalie gear, but full goalie gear, but props <laughs> to him for ha- putting all that stuff on just to go out there and <laughs> wave a flag. Like, oh, so maybe a little bit off topic, but kind of along those lines, because we're talking about him. 
the mic didn't work on Saturday night for our uh, national anthem singer. That but was crazy. He did an amazing job of, you know, you could, you know, we, we set way up high, but we could still hear him. So kudos Drew to him for of pipes on him because he he had his mask on and like you said we could hear him all the way up in 216 so props to drew on that one but he rolled with it he just kept going yes i love it so speaking of new things because we talked about uh you know (laughs) the ice clearing thing we've we had some new uh features added to the the game uh this weekend and i think one of them was really successful i think one of them got some kind of iffy feedback and I'm I'm hopeful that uh he wasn't too discouraged by by what went on but let's talk first about uh Anna Bellinghausen as a UNO student and she started a new segment where she interviewed coach Gabinette between periods and then mm-hmm. interviewed one of the stars of the game at the end what did you think about that I loved it there were some technical difficulties on Friday I you know I'm not sure what happened in the first intermission with some miscommunication. And then the, the second one, you know, the mic quite wasn't to Gabnet's mouth so that we couldn't quite hear what he said. But Saturday, the interview was great. And I loved hearing from the players at the end. You know, that's something that I've seen them do at NHL games and stuff. And I think it's really cool to get to hear directly from them how they felt on the game, you know, impacts right afterwards. So I enjoyed it. I hope they keep doing it. I agree with you. And like I said, usually we only get those kinds of uh, feedback when you watch like a post-game press conference highlights mm-hmm. and, and that sort of stuff. And I think it's really neat for the fans to get, like you said, that real-time interaction. I think yeah. Gap being so soft-spoken, it was great that she got the microphone a little closer yep. to his uh, mouth on Saturday because he is, the process is very, you know, quiet. <laughs> um, and so, but like I said, I, I love that. I hope that that is a segment that continues going forward. And yes. like you said, from the, a, a player of impact at the end of, of the game, I hope mm-hmm. they're not by that. <laughs> I mean, they could. And yeah. then from the, from the not quite as, you know, uh, 10 out of 10, side of things um I believe his name is Andrew he's uh new to the the staff athletic staff this year and he really worked hard on Friday night to pump up that student section which was you know wonderfully filled with homecoming supporters um but a little too much enthusiasm I think what were your thoughts yeah you know I think Sometimes the crowd does need pumping up. You know, they, they can be a little a little low on the enthusiasm sometimes, especially when the game isn't super, super exciting. Um, though I think it was maybe a little over the top. And I, I definitely, I heard mixed reviews. I, I definitely saw some people that were like, yeah, this is great. We like him. And there were others that were like, oh, no, please, no more. Um, and I think you've got to find that balance between the people of that have been around the program for a really long time and are kind of set in their ways of how they like things and bringing in new people. I think John and Jason talked about it last time, how the crowds were low. I mean, it's October. We're competing with a lot of different things. And sometimes you need that kind of over the top to get some new people and new fans in the building and stay and enjoy it. What did you think? 
Well, and again, you're absolutely correct. I think that is the challenge. The the old veteran fans like us, you know, set in our ways, you know, <laughs> the game, we're not here to get, you know, pumped up. This isn't, you know, minor league baseball, that sort of thing. But I did like uh, how he interacted with the students. So I, I was yeah. sad he wasn't there on Saturday. I don't know what happened. I hope he wasn't discouraged. But I think that's where to go. Go with the students, help get them more mm-hmm. involved because- We've seen this over the last, you know, seven, six, seven years at Baxter Arena. That student section really can help increase the energy in the building. And like Jason was out with, you know, 3,000 fans, you really have to do something to get people excited and on their feet and the players feed off of it. So I don't want him to be discouraged. I hope he finds a balance there. Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right. So the last in our shootout segment uh, has to do with masks, uh, not necessarily <sighs> directly mask wearing. We definitely have a lot of thoughts about that. But what uh, what are your thoughts with uh, the idea of the the music volume and the masks, and then also our uh, Summit Dental Health, which is not a sponsor of this podcast um, contest? So the music, especially before the game, it's it's pretty loud. So when you're wearing your mask, it's kind of hard to hear the other person. Obviously you can't read their lips with your masks on. Um, I don't think it needs to be turned down a lot, but maybe just a tad. Um, but maybe that's because I'm old and, you know, I don't like loud noises. No, but the thing that really, the thing that really stuck to me was the smile cam. I'm like, if you're having a mask mandate, which I fully support because I want to go and, you know, I, w- I want to enjoy the games, but I also want to be safe. I don't know that having a smile cam is probably the best uh, thing to do. You know, then you're you're actually encouraging people to take their masks off, which was frankly happening anyway. Um, it and was. your dad, I think it was, noticed an interesting, um, you know, like caveat to the mask mandate. Do you want to tell tell the he folks said, about what he noticed? Yeah, he said the signs specifically say you must have a mask to enter Baxter Arena. It doesn't say that you have to have it on inside. Although I did read, you know, the emails that they sent out that said masks were required at all times unless you were eating. So there maybe is some inconsistent uh, messaging there. Um, yeah, I will say I would say around where we said mostly fairly good mask wearing, but you know, definitely. Definitely not hundred uh, percent compliance. That's for sure. But and see, I would say we're at probably forty to fifty percent mask compliance. Uh, looking around, yeah. and again, I try not to spend too much time, you know, looking at other stuff. But you know, we have an attendance streak, and John and I have been super careful, uh, especially over the last eighteen months, to you know avoid exposure to COVID. And so yeah. we wear our masks and try and stay away from people, but it is uh, not being enforced at Baxter Arena. Um, And whether people are sitting there with their beverage and just holding it to have the mask off or what's going on, it's just, like I said, if you're gonna have the mask mandate, don't have a smile cam um, contest because you're not helping the case. Although there were some some folks that used their mask during the smile cam and good for them, good for them. Absolutely. All right, so uh, that's it for the shootout portion. Let's talk about what's coming up for yes. our math hockey team in the upcoming week as we continue this uh, unprecedented outside of last year's pod homestand of uh, 10 home games between now and November 6th. 
Who's up next? We've got up next is Alaska Fairbanks. Um, and actually, this is going to be the, just the first of four meetings that we have with them. So they're coming here to Omaha. We'll play them here next weekend on Friday and Sunday next weekend. So another, another slightly different schedule. But then we will go to Alaska in uh, November. So excited to kind of see them since we're going to play them several times this weekend or this and year, what, I should say. I will say, yeah, this weekend and again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that a lot of fans might not realize is uh, that Alaska has now become an independent uh, team once yeah. again. They lost their conference affiliation. Mm -hmm. The WCHA had both Alaska teams as part of their conference makeup and then uh, they essentially booted out the two Alaska teams by starting a completely different conference with a very old conference name, the CCHA. So the WCHA dropped the two Alaska teams and became the CCHA. And UAA, uh, Alaska Anchorage, actually dropped men's hockey. And I was concerned when that happened that that might be the end of Fairbanks too, because again, they were now a team without a conference. But they've done a great job of, finding uh, teams to play. Uh, yeah. They were scheduled to play Minnesota, which is uh, currently ranked number three in the nation. And unfortunately, uh, Fairbanks had a COVID outbreak, which caused Good. that to be uh, postponed. So um, what are your thoughts about how the, the Mavs might match up with the, the uh, Nanooks? Well, you know, it's kind of going to be, I think they're going to match up pretty well. It's kind of hard to tell because I think you, you mentioned that they, they didn't play last year. So they, we don't have a lot of recent. And I believe you found this, that they have 17 freshmen on their team. So they're a really young team. Um, they did play this weekend against Clarkson and split. So they got their first win of the season and got some games under them. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think we will... I think we will come out really strong against them. My only fear is that, you know, sometimes when we play teams that on paper, we are clearly, you know, better than we tend to kind of play down to our competition instead of sticking to our game. So that concerns me a little bit, but I think, I think with this group of guys, I think they've kind of learned that to not do that, especially in the NCHC, like you cannot take any weekend for granted. Like these are, you got to play every single time and you never know what's going to happen on the ice. So. Well, and channeling my inner uh, John and Jason, uh, these are important <laughs> on-conference series because of who they, they played Clarkson, which is part of a, a conference. You know, they're playing us. We're part of the NCHC. They're playing uh, Minnesota, assuming that rescheduled series comes off, which is part of the big 10. So mm -hmm. this can be a huge weekend in terms of the pairwise. And again, you know, we're not, not going to talk all the technical details about it, but it does, <laughs> it is important to beat uh, teams from other conferences because of who they end up playing. And you never you know, they might sneak up and, you know, and beat Minnesota and that might be huge for us down the line. So I just wanted to clarify. Um, so with COVID last year, the WCHA, had decided to postpone their conference uh, start into December. Mm -hmm. And then they decided and announced in December that they were not going to play. So I think it's something like 580 80 days or something that um, Alaska hadn't played before this last weekend. So, you know, for that reason, and like you said, you know, 17 freshmen and two new assistant coaches, I think that they're uh, dangerous if we look past them. But like I said, 
I think that if the guys play like they did this weekend, and again, they finish strong and stay out of the box and all the things that we preach that they should do, I think that yeah. uh, they listen to us. Come on, guys. They should. They should listen to us. They should play five on five hockey. You know, no, no penalties. That's right. Unless they're power plays, in which case oh, I'm we'll, really for that. You know, absolutely. No, we'll take a power play anytime. <laughs> So again, continuing uh, the John and Jason tradition, uh, let's talk about what your predictions are then now that we've kind of analyzed their strengths and weakness. What do you think is going to happen with Alaska next weekend? I really want to pick a, I, I think I'm going to pick a sweep, although I'm a little nervous doing that because I feel like, you know, there, there could be a, a tie in there or an overtime only because of this. They're going to get thrown off by the Friday, Sunday. And I'm thinking, is it, is it parents weekend next weekend? I don't know that, that that's a really positive. I know it's coming up pretty soon. So sometimes the team, you know, the team gets thrown off when the schedule isn't exactly the same, but maybe, maybe last year in the pod and playing every other day fixed that, you know, we can do it. We can play any day now. <laughs> well, and we've already had two Sunday series, which I have yeah. to tell you, John and I are, are Vala's season pass uh, holder and we normally go to Valas on Sunday. So I am, I gotta be honest, I am not loving the Sunday games because it's messing with my Valas time, but <laughs> hockey comes first. So I'm going to be there. Um, but I do now want to kind of put an asterisk on mine. I was going to pick a sweep too, and I'm still going to, but you are correct. We have had some very interesting uh, weekends when the parents are in attendance. So I'm going to yeah. pick a sweep, but I'm going to put a little asterisk on it just in case uh, to cover myself, because like you said, not so much because of the Friday, Sunday aspect of it, but just playing in front of their parents, sometimes it just throws them off a little bit. It does. It does. So, but we'll be excited. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, no, I go ahead. We'll be excited to uh, see all of the fans at uh, Baxter arena again, Friday night, the regular seven Oh seven start. And then Sunday, uh, 407 start. I hope that uh, folks come out, especially for that Sunday game. It just seems like attendance is tough, but they're having it early in the afternoon. You can come on out, see the game, still get home. You have kids, you know, get them fed, make sure all their homework's in their backpack and get them out the door. Yep. And sometimes those, those Sunday games are great for families that, you know, can't have their kids stay up super late. So it's a great way to get some exposure. So hopefully people can make it out to those games. Should be fun. Uh, all right, wrap it up, Jolene. All right, well, thanks for joining us uh, on this special edition with, with Bridget and I. And you'll just have to tune in next time to see who's going to show up. We never know. But in the meantime, go Mavs. Go Mavs.